I'm Dave Monaco, the Meyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. Welcome to the From My Angle podcast. Well, we've recently had a time to celebrate Thanksgiving, albeit in ways that looked and felt a lot different than Thanksgiving's gone by. We should be grateful to be together in whatever form it comes these days, rather than depressed by how different it feels. This is a hard bargain to sell ourselves, though, and all around, you can sense the weariness in people, weariness begotten of the constraints COVID has placed on togetherness. And this weariness can cause us also to be short with others, even those whose real or virtual proximity we need more now than ever in these extraordinary days. That is why I wanted to spend the latter episodes of this fall's podcasts looking at grace and forgiveness in this time of trial and challenge. How is it that we restore relationships through forgiveness and reconciliation? This question interested me even more now, perhaps because of the nature of the times. Having explored the spiritual context of forgiveness in my last episode, thanks to the wisdom of Father Josh Whitfield and Mother Alina Williams, I wanted to hear from teens and an expert in counseling them about what forgiveness and grace look like in the real world these days. So I asked Amari and another parish senior, Evan Brown, a guest on previous From Our Angle episodes, to join me and parish's upper school social emotional counselor, Dr. Michelle Murray, to explore questions about tension, forgiveness, and reconciliation in the world of today's teens. How frequently do They see their peers experiencing tension due to damaged or broken relationships. What issues are causing the rifts? Has conflict among teens been more common in recent months given the stressors at hand in our complicated world of the virus and social justice issues in an election? And how skilled are teens at asking for forgiveness? What strategies do they use to do it? And how might we as adults help them get better at it even as we struggle with it? ourselves. I hope you enjoy hearing the voices assembled in this episode to explore these knotty questions around forgiveness and reconciliation among teens. Well, welcome to the From our angle podcast my friend and co-host amar hayes is here with me today as we move into the second trimester head toward our thanksgiving break but continue with the theme of together and i wanted to welcome some members of our upper school community here today to talk about forgiveness and how we human beings come back together in the relationship after falling out in our previous episode my rector at uh, at, uh, saint rita catholic community father josh whitfield and uh, our Midway Chaplain, Reverend Mother Alina Williams, helped us explore the spiritual call to forgive, though not easy, mustering that humility to admit wrong and ask forgiveness and change behavior is at the center of the Christian religious text. But I want to actually know, like, what does forgiveness look like in the messy reality of daily life, and specifically in the world of teens? And so I've collected a couple of seniors, Evan Brown, who's been with us before, to join Amari and our upper school social emotional counselor, Dr. Michelle Murray, the expert in the room, to help give us a professional insight on what it means to let go of our grievances and how teens these days get back together. But I haven't seen some of these folks in a while, and even though I'm seeing them through a screen, I thought we could just get started, Murray, just catching up, like first trimester is done. 
you guys are experiencing a very different senior year, you and Evan and your peers. What comes top of mind when you two think about the frustrations, the unexpected positive things that have come your way as a result of a first trimester of Pandemic Parish for 2020? What you what you thinking, partner? Get us going, Amari. Um, something that I've been um, saying on, on these past f- few podcasts is uh, just the, um, the total idea of um, adaptability. And I've just, me personally, I've had to adapt to certain things as far as um, school time schedules, um, getting adapted, as Mr. Monaco stated, of a, a virtual education, <clears throat> which was um, a little bit challenging for me starting off. But um, that is the biggest thing that I've learned and taken away over, over these past, I say since March of like the past like six months or so is is just learning how to um, adapt to certain situations even though they they might not be um very uh very pleasing or mm-hmm. something that you want to do but something that you have to do and sometimes we just have to knuckle down and and make the best out of nothing basically yeah, when you and I had our one-on-one uh, in one of the early episodes this fall, you were talking about how it took you a while to get your gears going. Like you just being at home, starting the school year at home was so much harder than pivoting to it in March. And you felt like you were in a standing spot uh, as the school year started. So now do you feel like you're in a better routine as we come through the first trimester and, and you're heading into the second trimester? Yeah, I definitely I believe that I'm back in routine and honestly um it came down to like the personal decision of just choosing a, 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 of choosing to do what like has to be done and and like I feel like that that is a message or I mean not a message but something that people of all ages deal with young and old is just finding the will to get their responsibilities done so yeah I mean, adaptability is a choice after all, my friend, right? Like, you, so you just made a choice to, to, as you say, knuckle down and get going. And, and that's, I think, a big reality of, of being an adaptable, flexible-minded person is putting that energy in. How about you, Evan? How's this first trimester treated you? We're starting second trimester literally today. This is November 16th. We're taping it. And, and uh, you guys are starting on yet another new schedule. We've made some tweaks and adjustments uh, to try to help everybody persevere through this pandemic. So, How's the how's the um, first trimester gone for you? Highs, lows? What's been your experience? Uh, so for me, it's definitely like Amari. It's been a change. Uh, I've been uh, on campus for the entire, with the exception of this current week. I've been on campus for every on-campus week. But I would definitely say I agree with Amari that starting off was a lot harder because I mean I had been on multiple different like Zoom calls or Google Meet meetings over summer. But this one really was different, like waking up, like putting more time to how I look kind of and like actually having to pay attention more and more on the call, because instead of like just a normal conversation you would normally have on a Zoom call, something, this is actually school. I had to like wait myself be like, no, this is like school, school. This is stuff I'm going to be sending to college, especially because first try. And I think I'm a big believer that when things 
go off plan or off schedule is when we shine our brightest because that's when you can show your adaptability. Like I'm already said, adaptability is a very big and important thing because you have to show, because I mean, it's great if you can follow the guidelines laid out for you, but you shine even brighter and show your stronger self when you show things that you can do when things don't go as planned. I think that's when it is greater. And I feel like I've been able to manage myself very well. I would say the hardest part for me has definitely been, well, um, the college process, not getting college stuff in, but having like looking at colleges is definitely harder. Like I've only, I went on one college visit this past week, but it's much harder to kind of gauge, in my opinion, a school based off all the stuff you read online, like all the Zoom meetings, those are great. But like, I'm a big person on like, not see it to believe it, but I like seeing stuff in person and with a lot of business being kind of canceled or like virtualized, it's great. But at the same time, I'm not able to get as big of an experience. But overall, I would say my try one experience has been pretty good while different. And of course, senior year, look, there's a lot of highs, a lot of lows, but I think that this is kind of, I think this event kind of shows the perseverance of our class, both online and at school, kind of how we're toughing it out regardless of what's happening. I'm right there with you. I think this generation of young people, college and, and high school, are going to take some extra tools in their toolkit as a result of all this. And this notion of adaptability, flexibility, a sense of self-reliance are some things that are part of that, uh, that toolkit. I mean, the reality, though, is and we were talking about this with Dr. Murray and, and y'all before we got started on the recording, like, We've got uh, now, you know, um, a high number of our seniors opting out, you know, over over half, which means they're learning from home all the time. I mean, coming to campus for seniors these days, we acknowledge, you know, we've, we've put restrictions in place. We're trying to keep people well. It's not the life that you expected coming in as seniors, and it's not, uh, um, you know, uplifting for seniors to think about this as their last year. So, you know, think, think just more globally outside your own experience right now before we move to this theme of, of forgiveness and reconciliation like how do you assess the mindset of seniors disappointed uh resigned to this being the reality that's going to be uh, adaptable and positive in mindset like you guys were articulating like if you just had to summarize it how, how are you summarizing it amari i don't know about evan but um like realistically speaking as a senior i mean i don't want to be at school anyway like like, it sounds harsh. Like, idealistically, a student would rather do school from home. Well, I wouldn't say would rather do school from home, but they often lean towards the liking of the notation of doing school at home and, and not having to go to school. So I feel like a lot of se seniors enjoy it on s some aspects. But um, well, I'll say educationally they adore the um, at home. But um, as far as socially, I feel like that that's when you get uh, a shift in opinions because socially I've heard that some don't get to see their friends as often. And, and, and so like socially, I feel like that they would rather be on campus, but educationally, I mean, they're fine at the crib. How you feeling, Evan? So I'm not going to sugarcoat. Uh, I was definitely in the boat, like, at this is the beginning, like, when we were first starting, like, 
uh, I don't want to go to school. Like I said, I was going to give it a week and then I said another week. And I kept telling myself that when in reality, I actually did enjoy going to school. Um, but I think what ended up being it for me, I was like, you know, I'd rather take what's given than just mourn over what was because I personally have like, while this virus has taken a lot, it's given me some too. Like I've gotten to reflect on myself, gotten to spend more time with my family. Uh, I've gotten to speak to a lot of people at school who I normally wouldn't really speak with, which has been pretty nice. And I do 100% agree that a lot of people are kind of just like, you know, why would I even go here? And I completely get that. I guess I am a glass half full kind of guy and I take what's given. And in terms of the positive side, I very much do think that at least when we are here, I have a smile on my face most of the time, or at least I try to. Granted, of course, tests and quizzes, all that's always going to bring a lot of just uh, test quizzes. But there are a lot of times I think that there are a lot of good moments that I'm going to remember when I leave here being like, you know, it was kind of interesting when it was only like five of us in class and just us five against the world kind of, it feels like so. Hey, Dr. I, Dr. Murray, it's the social emotional counselor. Like what's your read on student psychology these days? I mean, we can stay specifically seniors because we got a couple in the space of this year. So like, what's your read on it? I really don't know that things are, you know, are overall very different from any other year as far as how students are doing. Um, I do think that there are some students that are having, you know, there, there is a group of students that's having a really difficult time. Um, you know, and I think some of that has to do with their, you know, their, their experience of the pandemic and their experience of being, um, you know, of, of all of the changes, all of the changes in the schedule, all of the changes in their you know, what this maybe has done to their, their family and their, uh, their lives at home. And so I think that this really has, you know, thrown some people for, for quite a loop here. Um, but I'm not sure that that's, that that's across the board. I think that that's more of, you know, those are certain pockets of, of people. Um, I think that, you know, in general, we, we always have students that are, that are having some struggles. We have students that, are experiencing, you know, high levels of anxiety, and that's kind of a part of, of our culture in general. Um, and then we also have some students that I think, you know, like like the guys here are saying, who who are finding ways to adapt in really remarkable ways. I think exactly right. I mean, so there's maybe amplified some of the anxiety people have felt given the isolation and the new schedule, yeah. but essentially there's a lot of that that's the same. So let's jump I into think, the Ms. Monaco. Yeah, go ahead, partner. Um, to uh, expound off of Dr. Murray's statement, I feel like, like um, how she, she described the positive and the negatives that she saw. Um, me personally, like I feel like that this time of of virtual and and online school, like in a very subtle way, is preparing us for this grand world that you adults talk about that's not so friendly and um and i've talked to um caleb cope a um and an alumni of a parish that graduated last year and, and he told me like like after you leave something where you always are like around the people that you know and like you have to interact with with the real world 
like outside of our safe haven within our parish community, he's like, there's not that many people that really are going to call on you and check up on you. So like you have to find a way to find value within yourself, like, like in, in life. So, so I'm kind of thankful that, that we are getting to experience some of these real life mental battles and like just how to deal with life, I guess you could say. Now, now I'm not sure if that's very factual and you and Mr. Monaco and Dr. Murray can, can expound on it, but yeah, I feel I like it's giving us a nice blueprint. Yeah. I'd say Dr. Murray and I both say this is a lot more real life than either she or I were hoping for bargaining for, but you're right. You know, you got to take what comes and that's, that's part of being an adult and raising kids and having a family and being involved in a professional environment. You know, you don't get to write the script the way you want it all the time. And so uh, what are you going to do when you get a hand that isn't, uh, you know, isn't a favorable one? Um, good, good, insightful thoughts. And I'm glad generally you, you guys are doing, doing reasonably well. So Blair's not with us today. We'd hope she could join. So we really have kind of the male perspective on this whole idea of uh, coming back together and giving and granting, uh, granting forgiveness, asking for forgiveness after a relationship is frayed. But I was kind of curious. Actually, like, Mr. Monaco. Yeah. Your boy did great works. And I, um, and I had asked some of my peers in this senior class about reconciliation and forgiveness. Yeah. Um, you get some good intel. I have great info on my phone that I cannot quite find right now. Well, so you can keep going. And after I find it, I'll, uh, you've got like notes to share with us, which is good. Not that you and Evan don't have lots of quality in info to give and compliment the Dr. Murray's, but we'll take it. So I was kind of curious, like, how tension filled are the relationships that you experience personally, or you see your friends having, Evans? Like, like what? Like what? What's it? Is 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 tension and 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 fractured relationship a large part of the teen experience, or for you, not so much? I think that tension, for me, I'm someone who tries like to level tension, but I do think when it's there, it is very noticeable. Um, I would say, especially in like live the election for me personally, I've been grateful enough to still maintain all the friendships I have, all the relationships I have. And I think that it's just, it really kind of comes down to, it depends on your relationships with others and like, how will you know the person? Because uh, a lot of times, and one of the big themes we've seen recently is that we can disagree and still be friends. I think a lot of people are in different parts of society are putting that to the test and we're kind of clarifying because I know there are a lot of people who are like I understand but this and this this isn't a disagreement this is human rights and there are a lot of different kind of levels to it and I also think that it really depends on the person and how much that like how much that kind of consumes you I guess a good friend of mine who happens to go to Paris once said that uh, we shouldn't let our political ideals consume our identity. They should reflect us, but they should not consume our identity. You don't want that to just be who you are. You don't want your political ideal to just be who you are. And I think that right now, I would say, I feel from what I've seen from the sidelines is that while there is discourse and that people are disagreeing, I would say, um, in the greater community of 
kids who are in my class, I feel like we have been doing a decent job of keeping it to a civil level. Granted, I will say there are one or two occasions where I find that stuff has gone a little far, but I would say overall, most people have tried to keep on the high horse and the high road. And I, I do think that's going to still be a challenge coming through December and up to inauguration. And I think how we handle that is going to really define how a lot of our friendships stay after the end of this. So you're talking about tension around uh, the context of the most recent political events. I'm glad that you feel like your friendships and, and relationships have stayed uh, somewhat intact and that some of your friends are really looking to divide what they feel politically from the personal connections that they have with others. So taking it away from sort of global events or current events, how much tension do you see, Amari, in the lives of your um, peers, classmates on things that might be social or... Um, you know, around other likes or dislikes, like how, how often are, are you seeing stress and tension around fractured relationships or people generally get along pretty, pretty well in your environment? Well, if I can ask what you mean by f fractured relationships, no, do you like, mean like a friendship that once was and has been divided because of yeah, one issue or something? Yeah, we're living with tensions or always bickering at each other, more divided than together. Like, what do you see in, among your peers? Well, um, from my notes, as Mr. Monaco would call them, um, after speaking with, can I say names or is that just not allowed? I don't know. Yeah, sure. They, they probably okay, like I'll it. just say Emma D. Yeah. Emma D. says, uh -huh. um, all for me personally, is just recognizing it's a part of God's plan. But it's not, but I know that not every, but I know that's not everyone's outlook on it, but that's how I find peace, just knowing what's best for me. I don't know. It's just realizing that everything happens for a reason and, and you will find the people that are your true friends, I guess. So when Emma um, shared her um, her thoughts with me on the idea of reconciliation um, and forgiveness, um, she said that like during this time, she basically has um, in this time of of her like awareness, she's had time to sit back and truly evaluate the the relationships that she's in. And like, I feel like that that is happening a lot among the teenage group during this pandemic, since we do have so much like um downtime and time to deal with those idle thoughts that normally we don't have time to hear or wonder about. And so I feel like that I wouldn't say that a lot of relationships are getting broken up over like an issue necessarily, but I feel like that teenagers have the time now to truly analyze what they value and and I, I don't know about anyone else, but the friends that I have, I want them to have the same values and and ideas about life as I do. And so I feel like th that that is the biggest thing that's happening now. And and in regards to the uh, the um, recent um, presidential um, election, um, I've definitely seen a lot of of opinions voiced about what they believe 
but I personally haven't seen like anyone bash someone or or belittle them be, because of their political views, which, which I feel like, as Evan said, shows great uh, strength in certain individuals of of how I can have my own opinion about a topic and you can have your own opinion about a topic, but morally, I still respect you as a person. And, and I feel like the off friendships, you won't always be in agreement with your friend, but if there is a level of respect of your friend's thoughts and ideas, I feel like that that's where where like the friendship truly lies and 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 i feel like a lot of people are seeing who their true friends are and aren't based on those principles not on oh you have on what i like to wear and things like that it's more on a deeper level i'd say yeah that's good to hear like and that's a maybe a benefit of the distancing is that it's um, really allowed you guys to retrench on the values that bring your relationships together and i'm also glad to hear at least from your all's both your perspectives that um the most recent issues around the election, at least at the social and societal level, haven't driven people apart. But Dr. Murray, if we were to audit maybe the, you know, top three things that bring students to your office um, to kind of flesh out conflict and uh, broken relationships uh, of, of falling apart, what are, what are those top two or three things that you hear in your professional world? Yeah, I don't know if I could even exactly enumerate them like that. I mean, I think that the most the most common things that people do come in to talk about are really fractures in peer relationships. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, so, and sometimes it might be it might be with a significant other or it might be with a family member, but most of the time it's really things that happen between friends. Um and it, sometimes it's about um something, you know, pretty significant where something has happened where, you know, that feels that's a bullying incident, somebody feels really ridiculed, or, you know, real, you know, there's been rumor spreading something um, of that nature. A lot of times, it's just something smaller where there's been, um, you know, someone has said something that has made the other person feel invalidated in some way. And um, the other person may not even, you know, the offender may not necessarily even realize that they've done it. And, um, but, you know, it leaves someone feeling really, really hurt and um, sort of unseen and unheard. And they just need to kind of figure out how, you know, how do I approach this with my friend? This is a, this is a relationship that's important to me, but now I need to figure out how, how do I address this so that we can move forward? Yeah, so I was interested about power in relationships because it seems to me you, you mentioned this notion of belittling or uh, in, in some way uh, offending a, a, someone. It can be intentional, it can be otherwise. Um, do, do you guys, um, Evan, like see power as a dynamic that brings people apart in relationships, whether power comes through um, popularity or power that comes through uh, social, socioeconomic well-being or power that comes through um, skin color or power that comes through talent? Like, do you see that driving relationships apart um, in the world of teens today or, or not so much? I can definitely kind of see that. And I say this as someone who has kind of experienced this as a, someone who I knew was good friends with them. And eventually one day they were kind of like, I don't want to speak with you as a little group no more. And then um, 
later they kind of try coming back and everything. That's a whole nother story. But I definitely do think that there are definitely, it, it really depends on the person. Cause I'm not going to go ahead and say that every person when presented with something that is seen as power in high school, whether you said it be popularity, whether it be social status or whether it be uh, who talks to more people, stuff like that. I think that that's where friendship, like that's where friendship is truly put to the test because there are definitely people out there and this isn't just high school, just in the real world, people out there who when presented with this may forget where they come from. And then there are people out there who are going to remember where they come from, who they're with and who helped get them here. And as again, a friend from mine said from Shelton, there are people who will be there to celebrate with you once you achieve victory, but the stronger people are the people who celebrate with you along the way. Mm-hmm. Those are the people who are actually going to be there with you to the end. And I think a good example of that would be, or someone who doesn't forget where they came from is LeBron. You always see him donating, giving back to his community. And I think that power, it really also depends on where you are because for example, I've said it before, I'll say it again, stuff like who's popular here, who's popular there. In college, that's all going to change. Everyone's social status mm-hmm. and socioeconomical status may change. But I think that it's very important that when you pick your friends, you speak to said people, you kind of realize that or you keep in your back of your head, will this person be with me? if so-and-so happens, I'm not saying doubt them, but you have to remember. And then you also must remember this. If you are the person who gets said power, you need to not only realize that privilege that you have, but also remember where you came from. Yeah, it's interesting. So where are these conflicts playing out? Like if they are power driven, maybe they are, maybe they're not because some of Dr. Murray's were um, maybe not about power, but just about being um, seen as invisible or uh, offended. But Dr. Murray, like, where are these playing out? Like, are people having these conflicts in face-to-face? Is it social media driven? Or like, how, how do these play out in the world of teens today? I think there's a mixture. I mean, what I hear about is, you know, things that are happening face-to-face. Maybe they're happening in, you know, in school. They're happening on the athletic fields. They're, you know, things like that. But they're also, a lot of them are happening online and they're happening in, you know, social, social media and text messaging, things like that. So, and, and I think they go together because a lot of times something that may start in a Snapchat continue, carries over into the hallways at school and vice versa. They're not, you know, I think for so often our, our teenagers lives are, you know, those two, those two areas are integrated. So if they're having, you know, if they're struggling with their relationships face to face, it's going to carry over into the, their digital lives. So, um, so I see that happening across, you know, across both areas. Yeah. And of course, as we've talked about in this podcast many times before that digital, that digital world is a shield, right? The digital environment's a shield. So you can get behind it and lob any, any, any comments you want and feel a lot more uh, empowered and, and, and strong than you might if you're with someone face to face. So, fellas, here's what I'm curious about. Like, it sounds like um, power can be at, at the root of some of these conflicts. There's a social dynamic. Um, relationships change and shift. I heard you talking about a lot for the teens. And so, you know, you end up just, you know, maybe breaking apart from someone because you're realizing the values don't align so much with yours. These are some of the things I've heard us talking about as relationships come apart. 
how about coming back together? Like, are teens today good at saying, I'm sorry and asking forgiveness? Or does it seem to just go on forever and, uh, and kind of stay in these states of awkward division? Like, how, how good are you all at solving your social conflicts and bringing yourselves back together, Amari? Like, what do you experience personally or what do you see? Well, I would say, like, mm, forgiveness. I've definitely seen friend groups split and I've definitely seen different people with other people that I've been like, oh, I didn't, I would have never thought. But in the sake of forgiveness, I feel like that we are very good with being understanding. Like, okay, you can go hang with that. You can go hang with whoever you want to hang. And and if you don't hang out, hang out with me, that's fine. And and I've seen that happen a lot over this uh, Corona break. And as and as well as I've matured uh, throughout high school over the past four years. How about so, if somebody offends you or hurts your feelings? Like, are you are, are they quick to come and say sorry for you? Or is this something that they deny or avoid confront facing and don't want to apologize for for? Um, I'm not even going to lie to you, Mr. Monaco. That is very, that, that is a very slippery slope when you have the perspectives of addressing someone who is your friend and addressing a random person that has offended you. Because I don't, well, me personally, I'll address anybody who offends me, but I totally understand that, that everyone that doesn't have the same capabilities as me so so i think that when you're trying to address like a bully or someone who is ridiculing you it's hard for first the person who's doing the action to say i'm sorry because they are i mean they decided to do the action with no thought or feeling either way and for the counterpart the the person who um whose these actions are being inflicted on they're in a very vulnerable position because they don't even feel like the opportunity to go and address that other person but as far as a friend addressing a friend i mean like one of my friends might say something to me and I believe that that in itself sh shows where a friendship truly is, is that if you don't feel comfortable in confronting one of your friends about something that they have said to you that has offended you, then I don't think that they're truly your friend because all the friends that I have, I'll tell them if like if I've ever um, hurt you, if I've ever offended you, if I've ever said anything, let me know because I want your best interest and I truly value as a person. So I know I said a whole lot, but hopefully it all made sense. But, but at the end of the day, it's definitely harder to address someone who is your friend about an issue than who isn't. And I feel like that a lot of the times, like you said, when someone is behind the screen, they definitely, definitely can target those that aren't their friends and, and those that are weaklings as some might call but i also heard you say it's a sign of a true friendship if you can confront someone and say what you just said to me was hurtful to me 
and or go to someone and say, I'm sorry, because I think what I sent to you was was hurtful to you. I, so I think I heard you say that too. And I would, I would agree with that. So Evan, how do like, how do your friends say sorry these days? Do they shoot each other a little snap or a text and be like, Hey, sorry, man. Or do they own up and go sit down with their friend and, and, and talk it out as a little bit of both. What, what, what's the teen do today to ask forgiveness? How does that go down? So I've actually, funny you say this, because I've actually been thinking about this kind of in the past couple of days too, but I do feel like our generation itself has a problem with how we forgive people. Because a lot of times in arguments that people have had, it's either I'm over this or I'm done with this. It's never, I forgive this person or I'm burying the hatchet. I And I'm not saying that the problem doesn't get solved, but I don't think we ever reach that understanding of forgiveness because to me, the definition of forgiveness is understanding, forgiveness or apologizing, is understanding both sides or what has happened and coming to an understanding, whether it be a good or a bad, at least you have to come to understand. Like my thing is that if I'm, if it's something stupid, I'll forgive somebody off of that. But if it's something like big, like I was actually offended by somebody, it, you like, I have to at least give it a day or so because my stages of kind of when I'm frustrated, I never want to say I forgive you. I'm sorry initially because that's right off the back. I need time to collect myself. I take time to think about how I feel. I take time to think about what they did or how they may have felt. And then I take time to think of it in perspective before I collect it. And I do think that, and this is something I mostly see through social media. There are a lot of times people just text each other and sometimes that works, but it really depends on also, <clears throat> excuse me, the person, the friendship, because there are a lot of times where I've heard stories or just it hasn't happened to me as much, but people have been like, yeah, I've tried talking to this person, but they just don't want to speak to me because I think that we are very out of tune and we need to like get back in tune with actually sitting down and talking with people. But also I think in those arguments, true friendships show their true self because you kind of see, and something I was kind of reminded about last week was that if someone doesn't really, you'll see if someone really cares or values your friendship, if they're willing to sit down and talk to you about it, whether that's a phone call or a text or something. Because I think that when you sit down and work it out and come to an understanding, or if you don't come to an understanding, at least you have tried to sit down and talk. And I think that through those moments of actually trying to get to that understanding is when you really see who your true friends are because if that person really values you as much as you value them in my opinion they will take the time to try to speak with you instead of just maybe taking shots at you from social media or blabbing about you some other person yeah so we go along with evan mr i'm not going really quick i feel like he he said I mean he brought up a very um um profound idea that within our teenage group I feel like that we have a hard time understanding the concept of agree to disagree. Because I feel like, uh, as I said earlier, like you won't always agree with, with everyone all the time. And so, and, and I feel like that after we get out of that, like kind of, I mean, I would say it's kind of a juvenile mindset, not on everything, but if we have a disagreement, that doesn't mean that I'm the worst person on the earth and that I don't care about you and I don't like you and and our 
the friendship still doesn't hold value. That just simply means we don't see eye to eye on this and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really hard for, for people in, in general. To Evan's point with Father Josh and Mother Alina, we talked about the difference that the Ignatians uh, of religious order see between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is one way. I simply ask, uh, I ask your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? I, I've, I've, I've hurt you. Reconciliation is me and you making the conscious decision to work on the repair of the relationship, right? And that's hard even for we adults. I suspect it's super difficult um, for, for teens as well to get to that point you're talking about, Amari, where you're like, you know, look, we can continue to build a relationship. We can rebuild a relationship, even if on this particular point we have um, contention. Dr. Murray, Dr. Like, Murray. What do you see? like, yeah, what do you see with the, what do you see with this whole idea of teens and their facility to forgive? I don't think adults are great at it, uh, asking for forgiveness and granting it um, and the tone they use or when they ask or how they ask. So uh, I don't know that I should expect the teens to be any better, but what do you see with the teens? Well, and Dr. Think, Murray? Yeah. Willie, quickly, on top of that, could you also expound on the idea that some friendships and relationships, after they have been rebuilt, sometimes they just aren't the same? Sure. So could you talk about that a little bit also? Absolutely. Yeah, so I... First, I, I appreciate, Mr. Monaco, that you brought up that idea of sort of the distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation, because I think that very often when students come in to talk to me, they, they are coming in with the aim of reconciling or at least sort of trying to restore the relationship. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily thinking in terms of forgiveness um, or even thinking of whether they are able to forgive. And this actually kind of speaks to Evan's point too about, you know, that sometimes maybe they're really, people may be really quick to say, no, I'm good. I'm good. We're all good. But without saying, without really actually sort of doing the work to talk about and understand the two different sides. And, um, and so I think what sometimes happens is that maybe, you know, we're, our teenagers and adults do this too, but we're sort of too quick to, to try to, you know, put away the offense and say, no, everything's fine just for the sake of, you know, trying to come back together. But then we don't. We, we haven't actually sort of processed what happened, um, worked toward a greater understanding. And then we, it leaves us, you know, we, yes, okay, we've, we have sort of reconciled, but we're not really able to, we still don't, the trust isn't really restored. Um, we're not as comfortable together as we were before. Um, so, you know, and I think, you know, in, in psychology, we think we're, we have a little bit of a different viewpoint on forgiveness than, and than they do if you're looking at it in sort of a religious sense. In religion, you're thinking in terms of, um, you know, you want, you're asking for forgiveness so that you can sort of get spiritual absolution. And in psychology, it's much more about, um, it's, it's about not having not holding on to this anger and resentment because it does the idea that it's doing harm to you um that it you know so, so you kind of want to you want to try to forgive other people even if it doesn't even if it's not for them even if it's not because you're absolving them of their sins but it's so that you can so it's not just sort of eating you up and hurting you um 
but that kind of forgiveness in the, those, that sort of psychological sense doesn't actually have anything to do with whether you restore the relationship or not. I mean, you can, in that sense, you can forgive someone without having any kind of, you know, um, rebuilding any kind of understanding or, or relationship with them. So I think that it is a really important distinction. And I think for me, you know, when a student comes into my office and, you know, they're talking about reconciling with their friend, you know, one of the things that I always want to talk to them about is sort of what is, what is your desired outcome for this? What are you hoping if you, if you go to them and you talk to them, what do you want from this? Is this a relationship that you want to have back? Because maybe they've done something kind of horrible to you. And maybe this isn't a relationship that you want to have back in, at least in the same way that it was before. Um, maybe you are seeking to forgive because you don't like to be sitting in this anger, but, um, but maybe it's okay for the relationship to not be what it used to be. Because sometimes our anger and our hurt and our offense is actually telling us something pretty important. And, um, and so we may want to be able to, to process that anger and find a place of forgiveness because that's, that's healthy and good for us. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, hey, I want to go back and rebuild this relationship to what it used to be. And I think sometimes that's what when, you know, if a student comes in and says, you know, this is somebody that I've been friends with since preschool and we used to be best friends when we were six years old. Um, and now this person bullies me all the time, but I want to get back to where we were when we were six. Well, you know, sometimes I just, I have to say, you know what, I'm not sure you're going to be where you were when you were six. Um, and so, and, you know, maybe someday in the future, you'll be able to be there again. But I think right now we have to look at maybe this relationship is going to be, it's going to be limited. It's going to, it's going to be different. Um, so we have to be kind of realistic about what that relationship is going to be going forward. Yeah, saying sorry and and um, and granting forgiveness is something that we teach children from the earliest age. And you know, here I am at fifty three, and you all in between that by a long shot. And you know, we're still really curious about um, how to bring a relationship back together and how to do it gracefully. And um, it's never the same in any relationship. It's never the same in any circumstance within a relationship of a friend because each circumstance is different. Um, but I think you know, the quicker um, we all get to that point where we show a little humility and a little vulnerability and try as best we can to ask for forgiveness, the healthier, as Dr. Murray was saying, the healthier we're going to be as people. Because when you hold on to the anger and you hold on to the grudge and you hold on to the separation, it can eat you up from inside. All easier said than, than done. But it's been great hanging out with you all a little bit to talk through this complicated process. Thanks for taking some time out of your learning from a distance Monday to, to hang out with me. And Dr. Murray, thanks for your professional expertise. We appreciate it. Right. Yes, Thanks for sure. Hey, par hey, partner, I think next episode in December, maybe we'll try to get some folks together to talk about, um, you know, what this fall has brought us uh, a little bit like we did at the top of this podcast. So maybe the listeners will be interested to get a little more student perspective on uh, on, on life at Pandemic Parish. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm definitely excited and looking forward to that. And I also would like to say thank you, Dr. Murray and Evan, um, for also joining uh, today. And also thanks, Blair, with within her absence, but thank her for 
also wanting to join us as well. So and Emma D for giving us some giving us some insight through the through the uh, through the text. Yes. Uh, I also like to shout out the person who I quoted about uh, not well, letting just consume. I'd like to shout out Yusuf Nader. Shout out for that quote. Oh, no, Yusuf. Okay, yeah. And, and your friend from Shelton. We had a lot of good, we had a lot of good guest participation today, even if they weren't physically with us or digitally with us, whatever we say these pandemic days. Good to be with y'all. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for being on the From My Angle podcast. Thanks. See y'all. Thank you for listening to this edition of the From My Angle podcast. Please share it with friends and colleagues in your network. Our next episode will be our final one before the winter break and also our final one exploring coming back together again through reconciliation and forgiveness. I'm so excited to welcome author and documentary film star Arshay Cooper, who's recently released documentary film A Most Beautiful Thing, really caught my attention. The story is of Arshay and some of his Chicago friends, their unlikely formation as a crew teen, team as teens, and their recent reunion to revisit the positive and powerful lessons their shared life experience taught them. Can't wait to share that story with you with Arshay. Until then, please, thanks for your time on the podcast. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode from My Angle Podcast. Mm-hmm.